Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Coming up next on The Overnight Crowd, we're joined by a young gun of the journalism game, a sports reporter for Perth Now Local, Phoenix Suns superfan, Ben Smith, joins us on SEN. G'day, Ben. Hey, Hita. Thanks for making me sound young. I just turned 27, mate. 27, that's cute. I'm uh, 34 going on 35 here, champ. Uh, sorry, to, sorry to champ you. That just, that just went, uh, came out way too naturally there. But, you know, know 27, I'm, I'm mate. I'm doing a favour by coming on and I get shammed. <laughs> <laughs> Straight out the gate. I do apologise. That just really, oh, that flew off uh, way too quickly. I think I've been yeah. reading too many Shane Warne tweets. No, no worries, sport. <laughs> <laughs> Straight back to me. Uh, Happy New Year, mate. It's uh, lovely to have you with us. I trust you welcomed the uh, New Year in strongly. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was nice. Had some uh, nice time off work, so that was always good. And, uh, yeah, same to you. I hope you uh, had a fruitful and uh, productive New Year's and Christmas. Always, mate. And uh, if we could, uh, can we get an update on uh, A-League's action? I've tried following the postponements, but I start to get this bit of a pain at the front and the side of my head. So can you break it down for me and update the listeners? Uh, I No, sure not. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what's going on in the A-League, uh, apart from the only, con- you know, the... Uh, what is it? The only constant is change. Well, the only constant in the A League at the moment is uh, postponements. You know, uh, it's re- it's it's really sad. It's you know they're not the only sport to be uh, affected by Omicron. You know, it's happening all over the world. It's happening here. You know, we've seen uh, uh, we've seen with the uh, uh, the Big Bash recently. You know, that's obviously been affected. Uh, you know, the A League women's for the time being has been reasonably unaffected. I, I've fear that uh, that will be uh, uh, the next domino to fall, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's just uh, games called off left, right and centre. You know, I think there's been, uh, you know, there's been, I think, four games since Boxing Day. uh, And one of them was uh, the Melbourne Victory Adelaide game, uh, which I just watched on the the Saturday night game. So it's, uh, you know, there is a Melbourne City, Western Sydney game on a Sunday afternoon, but it is... uh, yeah, it's just disappointing. You know, this is peak, this is a peak A League peri- A League men's period, and unfortunately, uh, yeah, COVID is just ravaging it. You know, the, the league has said you know they still uh, they don't intend on extending the league, uh, so they are still intending to finish. Uh, you know, in early May in time for finals, uh, but uh, that means catch up games and. Uh, Having uh, having catch up games uh, amongst uh, you know rising COVID cases, it's it's going to be a very treacherous uh, path that they navigate. And uh, yeah, I think I, I think everyone just wants to see you know football. You know, everyone is you know there's been a real you know deficit of uh, local football games here. You know, like I said, just a handful of games since Boxing Day, and it's just you know it, like it was a that's you know, that period, you know, between Christmas and New Year's and uh, and that period just after mm. is, you know, normally such a great period for the A-League because you get tons of games, you know, everyone's watching because they're at home with family and, yeah, you know, unfortunately COVID has uh, completely ruined that and, uh, yeah, no one's really sure when the makeup games are going to be. Uh, you know, there's been some mur- murmurings of not... Not official murmurings, but murmurings of people saying that they should have a bubble. I'm not sure if you know the league will 
commit to that, it seems like, you know, just kind of something which has been thrown out there as a solution by the punters. But yeah, it's, uh, it has been very disappointing. So just an example, I guess, of the hold-up of things. Uh, Glory's last match, I believe, was the 8th of December. Newcastle, their last game was uh, December 19th. There's no real way to even this up. The uh, season's not going to be elongated, as you were saying there. So it's just keep the head down and keep rolling at this point, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, like you say, Glory, you know, it's been uh, almost... It'll be... Yeah, it's been exactly one month uh, since their last game. Uh, You know, I... uh, I actually wrote something today in uh, today, the Saturday's uh, West Australian about Daniel Sturridge and mm. the fact that you know he's played all of I think it's eleven minutes uh, in the you know seven or eight weeks he's been at the club, which is you know obviously not his fault. I was very keen to make that uh, that point abundantly <laughs> clear in the article, but you know it hasn't been his fault. But it is such a you know a curious situation uh, where you have this you know big marquee name who you know. Comes in, plays, you know, I think it was 11 minutes of the uh, end of, uh, you know, the round one and uh, hasn't been able to get on the park uh, uh, since for a myriad of reasons and uh, most of, and pretty, or all of them are out of his control. It's, it's sad and it's uh, disappointing, you know. I'm sure loads of Glory fans are just, you know, aching to get a glimpse of Sturridge out on the pitch and unfortunately, we, uh, you know, they can't even be... Uh, uh, afforded that. It really sucks. Mm. Yeah, I really love the uh, piece of analysis from your good self, Ben, uh, at the West Australian uh, about uh, Perth Glory's Daniel Sturridge, his signing and the frustration, I guess, felt from both sides. It's just the worst of the worst, isn't it? There's no opportunity for him to play. He's uh, always going to be that bit of a short of a run at the moment as well as returning from injury. It's just the perfect storm for frustration. Yeah, it is. And, you know, that Brisbane uh, game, by the sounds of it, uh, the uh, the game of the what? The uh, game that got cancelled, uh, which uh, in you know mid December, uh, by the sounds of it, he Sturridge was actually due to you know was had been declared fit to play you know uh, twenty minutes off the bench. So uh, um, you know he was I think he'd kind of turned a corner and was ready to start ramping up his game time, and then unfortunately it was a uh, was all taken away from him, and he was forced back into hotel quarantine, which uh, uh, we know he absolutely hates, and you know I'm sure everyone hates it as well. Uh, we did get a couple of nice Drake and Adele covers out of it this time, which was uh, good. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's, it's just a horrible situation that he's stuck in. It's horrible for everyone, you know, the club, you know, the players, the fans, you know, his teammates, uh, you know, Sturridge, Sturridge himself. It's uh, I'm certainly, certainly not how he envisioned his uh, time down under, and I'm sure it wasn't in the, the uh, brochure that uh, Tony Sage and Pinata uh, put together for him. Yeah, that's true. Hopefully there's a uh, resolution on the horizon for him. But uh, you did say that you uh, checked out the action that the Slavo that uh, did get away. All the goals coming late. Uh, Melbourne victory ahead before Adelaide score in the 91st minute to uh, each take a point home. Yes, it was a very peculiar game because for 84 minutes, nothing of note really happened. (laughs) And then... um, the game ended up going on for another 20 minutes. So I think it finished at the 105-minute mark or wow. something like that because there were, you know, from the 84th minute onwards, there were two goals, a red card, and uh, there was one, at least one lengthy uh, stoppage uh, for injury. And I think it may have even been, uh, could have potentially been two as well because um, uh, Josh Cavallo came off with a... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, so there were two... Uh, Substitutions in injury time um, for Adelaide, and both of them occurred to uh, you know happen to players who had been substituted on. But 
Um, basically, to sum up, after 84 minutes, it's pretty much nothing. And I think every, all the punters watching, uh, you know, watching and you know, taking part in the, in the conversation on Twitter were pretty much uh, you know, hurling abuse at the, uh, the standard of the game. And uh, uh, Mick D'Agostino, in the 84th minute, uh, opened his body up. He'd had a couple of chances during the game, which he had uh, fluffed his lines. But this time, he was about 20 yards out from goal and sent a left-footed rocket into the top corner, uh, with about six minutes to play, and uh, it looks like that was going to be the winner. Uh, and then uh, a couple of minutes later, uh, Javi Lopez, the Spaniard, scored a uh, fantastic goal. Uh, you know, he uh, smashed home a rebound from the edge of the box, uh, but uh, the VAR intervened and actually overturned oh. it because what had happened uh, just moments before Lopez took the shot, Stefan Mauck had. Uh, uh, basically made a run at the ball, missed, and he's kind of careened into the path of uh, uh, Ivan Kalava, the Melbourne victory goalkeeper. Um, so uh, Kalava actually was an, was unable to uh, make an attempt at uh, you know at saving H- Harvey Lopez's shot, and because Mount was you know the last you know was in an offside position, and because he you know interfered with play. Uh, the VAR actually uh, overruled it, which I think was the correct decision. I'm not sure Kalava would have got to uh, Javi Lopez's rocket, uh, but he. But you know, the law states you know if an, if a player in an offside position uh, impedes uh, another player, which Stefan uh, Mork certainly did to uh, Ivan Kalava, uh, that is deemed offside, and so the VAR made the correct decision. So went, the score went back to. 1-0 Melbourne victory. And then a few minutes later, Craig Goodwin scored with a volley in the first minute of injury time, uh, which was an exquisite volley. Great cross in uh, uh, from the right side uh, and it just hung up perfectly for Goodwin to volley into the bottom corner. Two mad scenes of celebration with, uh, amongst the Adelaide uh, supporters in the away bay. And then Isaias, the, uh, the Adelaide veteran, the uh, much-loved uh, central midfielder, Managed to get himself a second yellow card for dissent uh, during the celebration. So he, he said something to the referee, possibly allude, uh, possibly uh, due to you know something to do with the, the previous goal being disallowed. So um, yeah, that was the 92nd minute. The game went for a further 14 minutes after that because, as I said, there was you know um, there was kind of a, the aftermath of Isaiah getting sent off, and then uh, you know there was Josh Cavallo unfortunately had to. Uh, he was a substitute, and he came on, and then he got concussed, so he came off. And then uh, Luis Dorigo uh, and Jason Jerry had a really nasty clash of heads with him in, I think it was the 102nd minute. Uh, so uh, Dorigo kind of had to come off as well, and he was a substitute. So it was very, uh, yeah, everything I just described happened in the last uh, 20 minutes of the game Crazy. when there should have actually been about six or seven minutes at top left of the yeah. Left of the game, if that makes sense. So D'Agostino scored to me 84th yeah. minute. Everything I just described happened Post that. after that, and yeah. that is why the game ended up having uh, 14 minutes of injury time. It was Lordy. utterly crazy. That is, uh, yeah, going way uh, into, well, do they call that free football? You know, when uh, you say overtime, I guess, at, uh, you know, basketball and stuff like that, they say, oh, it's free basketball. But, I mean, that sounds like a lot of standing around uh, waiting moved, for the time I to go out. moved beyond... Yeah, I think it moves beyond free football. Yeah. I think it was just... Although I did see a lot of people kind of praying that there would be some sort of other stoppage that would force the game to go into the 120th minute, which yeah, would have be nice. been uh, both funny and frightening at the same time. 
so we will also see Melbourne City take on the Western Sydney Wanderers uh, uh, tomorrow. How do you rate the Wanderers' chances against uh, City? Bit of time between matches uh, to either solidify or sort of separate the group uh, following all the drama that's been around the club uh, before the break. Yeah, I I have no faith in the Western Sydney Wanderers as they currently stand. You know, I um I was very high on them uh, coming into the season, and everything I've said, you know, they have I've said multiple times uh, they probably have the, if not the most talented squad on paper, they probably have one of the most talented squads uh, in the league, um, and they have you know they've got five points from five games. They've won once. They scored just four goals. They have not been good at all. They have looked utterly, you know, clueless and devoid of inspiration. Uh, you know, in fact, they have a midfield of Stefan, uh, Steven uh, Ugarkovic and Terry Antonis, two of the best Australian uh, central midfielders in the A-League men's, and they still can't string together a, uh, you know, and this midfield just looks completely outmatched uh, with the two of them because they just don't look, know, they don't look like they know what they're doing under or how, you know, they're meant to be playing. And uh, it's a damning indictment on Carl Robinson, who has assembled all this talent, and he's, you know, put him, you know, he's, this is his team. This is not, he's not the interim coach. He's, this is his team that he has assembled, and they look well below the pace. They don't look like a good A-League men's team at all, and I think, you know, I think they'll do very well to get a result against Melbourne City, even if Melbourne City have been... Uh, not as good as they were last season. They've had a very slow and sluggish start to the season uh, as they're trying to figure out things. And, you know, there's question marks over whether that front three of Jamie McLaren, Andrew Naboot and uh, Matthew Leckie can actually coexist or whether they're actually too similar to play together. Uh, but I still, you know, if I had to pick someone, I still think I'm taking Melbourne City. And uh, Western Sydney have just brought in Gary Van Egmont as assistant coach and... If that that just felt like a, a move by the club to bring in an assistant coach who could be an interim coach if need be. The Matilda squad uh, for the Women's Asian Cup has been released. Uh, any surprises amongst the 25-player uh, squad who are headed to Dubai for a training camp for you, Ben? Uh, I think Winona Heatley from Melbourne City. She was, uh, you know, she was probably the, the name that probably stu- stood out. She will be... Um, She's in the travelling squad. I'm not sure she'll play in the uh, you know final tournament squad. Uh, Courtney Vine as well, also in that kind of pre-tournament camp. But again, uh, up in the air as to whether she'll uh, play in the actual final squad. Although she has had a very good uh, you know uh, A-League women's season. Uh, apart from that, I kind of felt it was uh, you know business as usual. Uh, there was uh, talk that Christina Gorey uh, got. Uh, was actually uh, invited into the train on squad and she uh, politely declined. Yeah. Uh, she has a very young child and uh, obviously did not want to be away for too long, which is completely understandable and completely fair. And uh, uh, we, I think, you know, Christina Gori is someone who, you know, in 2023 at that, you know, World Cup, I think she could be a really critical piece of a puzzle if the Matildas want to win a World Cup. So it was good to see her the the invite extended to her uh, to join up with the team. And you know, fair enough that she is uh, politely declined. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, you know, it was uh, I guess the squad was almost uh, as expected. Maybe Charlotte Grant, uh, maybe the the wild card in there. She's played three games, uh, played for FC Rosengard. Uh, maybe 
she was probably the least uh, well-known name on the list. But apart from that, yeah, I didn't really see too many uh, surprises. So Australia play Indonesia, the Philippines and Thailand in the group stage. That all starts on January 21st. And this is the tournament that's been pointed at by the coach, uh, Tony Gustavuson, as the performance marker. How are you feeling about their chances? Uh, well, it's make or break for uh, Tony Gustafsson, not so much in terms of, uh, you know, he, he will see this team through uh, to next World Cup pending, uh, unless there's an absolute disaster. But he has said, uh, you know, he does not want to be judged on uh, the performances of his team uh, in friendlies, as we saw against Brazil and the US. Uh, he wants to be judged against, uh, you know, his team's performances in the major tournaments. This is a major tournament. We need to, you know, I think everyone has kind of seen how Gustafsson has set the team up over the last year or so, and it's there's certainly been been a lot of thrills. Um, I'm not convinced that it's an effective uh, method for a winning tournament uh, to to win a major tournament. Uh, obviously, I think Japan will be the uh, the, big, the biggest opposition. Uh, at this, um, but you know, I just I just want to see uh, a Matildas team playing, you know, coherent, sensible football, and uh, this, you know, Gustav, this is going to be a huge, you know, benchmark for Gustafsson because, you know, if they if Matildas don't play well in the Asian Cup, if they un- if they win games but they're unconvincing, if they don't look like a uh, you know a, a World Cup contender. There are going to be serious questions asked of him, and I think that they, he will stay until, uh, you know, until the 2023 World Cup. That's, you know, his contract is until then. I don't think he will be removed before then, unless, you know, a, a disaster, as I mentioned earlier. But this, you know, there's a lot of Matildas fans who want to believe that this squad can win a World Cup, and this Asian Cup, and not just whether they win the Asian Cup, but the manner of their performances at this Asian Cup are going to be really important going forward because I think we, you know, we're all Matildas fans. We want the best for them. I haven't seen the best of Matildas under Gustafsson yet. He needs, you know, he needs to set up his team in a way which is conducive to winning, not just games, you know, against you know Asian teams, but winning games at the World Cup in 18 months. And this is this is the first big step forward. Philippe Coutinho uh, with a reunion of sorts with a former teammate in Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa. He's moved there on a loan deal from Barcelona. He was a gun uh, the last time he was in the Premier League. What can we expect from him on his return this time? It's very interesting, uh, Coutinho. He's only 29 years old, which I found out yesterday, and uh, could not uh, (laughs) quite believe it because he feels like he's been around. I know he was young when he, you know, burst onto the scene with Liverpool, but he feels like it feels like he's been around for forever, you know. It's mm. um, you know, I feel we his career has had such a weird uh, you know, arc and it just feels like we never saw the best of him after Liverpool. Uh Stephen Drive, the Aston Villa coach, uh obviously yeah, he's a huge fan of Coutinho. There's a believe in his autobiography, there's a small uh, there's a couple of paragraphs on um uh Philip Coutinho and the fact that, uh, you know, that Gerard loved him and he got along really well with Coutinho. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, you know, how he uh, fits in at Villa, you know, whether Gerard can coax the best 
out of him. But I mean, after leaving uh, Liverpool in, I believe it was twenty, you know, twenty eighteen, or maybe it was after that. No, twenty eighteen. Left Liverpool in twenty eighteen, and he went on to play. You know, played a bit at Barcelona, but never really set the world on fire. And then, you know, he's played for. Uh, you know, he moved to Bayern Munich, moved back to Barcelona, and it's just he's been a shell of himself. He's only played. Uh, you know, I think it. You know, probably thirty league games, or actually probably forty league games. I think. Uh, looking at the. Uh, the stats up on my laptop at the moment. I think he's played about 40 league games in the last three or four years. And this is someone who was once considered to be, you know, uh, being fast-tracked to be becoming one of the best players in the world. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how he, uh, you know, whether this reignites his career, whether, you know, his former Liverpool teammate can get the best out of him. Uh, Newcastle as well making their first big signing since coming under new management. Uh, Kieran Trippier uh, returning from Atletico Madrid in the La Liga, uh, straight into the rescue mission that is keeping the Maggies in, up in the top flight. Yes, uh, it did. It did make me laugh. Uh, two things that Kieran Trippier did uh, that made me laugh upon joining Newcastle. One, he did a, um, a you know his a photo shoot with uh, you know in his new kit. Uh, and instead of uh, pointing to the club badge, he accidentally pointed to the sponsor on the sleeve, which was quite funny. <laughs> maybe it was intentional, maybe it wasn't. Who knows? Um, secondly, he also said that he, uh, he he went to Newcastle for the challenge of helping them avoid relegation. I call me a cynic. It's probably more to do with the fact, fact that they were willing to uh, offer him a uh, boatload of money, cash. I yeah. assume. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> money talks. You know, he if he... You know, if he was getting paid peanuts, he would not move to Newcastle. I can tell you now. Um, you know, but he's a good signing for Newcastle. He's, uh, you know, he has had a bit of a downturn in form with uh, Atletico, but I, you know, uh, he did have a good Euros when he was called upon uh, not six months ago. Uh, so, you know, there's still a good player in there. I think he immediately improves Newcastle United. Uh, it looks like he's going to be the first, uh, you know, uh, signing of uh, January. Uh, for Newcastle, they're also after, um, I believe, Everton fullback uh, Lucas Dini, although uh, I believe Chelsea are also uh, very interested in him. <laughs> and uh, Dutch centre-back uh, Sven Botman from Lille, who I can't tell you much about, but I did sign him on FIFA a couple of years ago, and he was pretty solid. So <laughs> we are, obviously, we can't, uh, you know, can't use FIFA as a, uh, as, a, as a watermark for how a player might be, but uh, that's about all I know about Sven Botman, unfortunately. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, just quickly, I saw the headline today of uh, Jose Mourinho fuming, and I thought, oh yeah, I don't need to read any more here, but seems like his time at Roma is uh, going swell. Yeah, it's, uh, this is just, you know, <laughs> this is, this is what, this is Jose, unfortunately. It's, it's a real shame because, you know, at, the, at, the, at you know, the peak of his powers, he was the best defensive coach in football. And now it wasn't even that long ago, but he's just had such a bad run the last five or six years and has kind of been very, uh, you know, he has been more the focus um, rather than, you know, his team's performances. And uh, that's not a good thing. He, you know, he's, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of linked because he's making himself a focus to distract the media from the fact that his team's performances have not been good. And, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, overnight ran onto the pitch to uh, 
stop Tammy Abraham from uh, being sent off, uh, which you know resulted in uh, you know Mourinho being uh, <laughs> you know blowing up post game and uh, yeah, not not the the footage is quite funny and uh, you know, also very funny is uh, Mourinho yelling at Abraham on the pitch, which is uh, <laughs> the fact that you know Abraham is you know trying to push and shoving while Mourinho's desperately trying to drag him on. It's a very funny picture to see a grown man in a coach on the field with a, uh, a group of uh, angry footballers. But, uh, you know, at this stage of Jose Mourinho's career, this is kind of how he... Uh, yeah, this is kind of... He's a bit of a sideshow, unfortunately, and it's a shame because, you know, like I said, at his best, he was one of the best, uh, you know, minds in the game. And uh, just on the way out, another great insight from yourself this week at the West Australian. You went inside Jack Leach's time at Wanneroo in the Premier League in Perth. Uh, from interviews I've heard from Jack, he seems like a great guy, and it seems you found uh, that to be similar memories of those at Wanneroo as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wanneroo were, you know, Wanneroo just, I spoke to uh, Kyle Miller, who's the, uh, the captain at Wanneroo, um, and he was, uh, he was captain during uh, Jack Leach's time there in 2015 16. And uh, David Manier, the Wanneroo president, and both of them could not uh, be more gushing in their praise of Jack Leach, uh, the person. They said he was a uh, lovely guy, you know, uh, fantastic. They were so happy to see him, you know, playing at the highest level. I'm sure they would have been happy, even happier today seeing him take uh, two or three wickets. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's always that. Um, it's, uh, you know, every, you know, it's, Jack Leach, like you said, you know, he seems to be quite an affable guy on the television. He's always smiling, you know, even when he's, uh, you know, getting, you know, knocked around as he was at the Gabba. He still was trying to make the best out of a bad situation. That's very much how he was at Wanneroo by, uh, uh, by all accounts. And it was really interesting because if you look at Jack Leach's stats when he was at Wanneroo, you know, um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think he took 12 wickets in, uh, 11 games across all grades or some, something along those lines. And uh, uh, he was, uh, you know, I think he had an average of 31 at first grade level uh, as a bowler. So it's not, you know, stats weren't very, uh, you know, they didn't hint that there was a test player there. But uh, by all accounts, you know, he's, you know, the, the wickets in Perth are obviously very different to the wickets in England. So, and you know, they don't spin as much here. So, he uh, he came into uh, he came into Wanneroo with the intention of you know working on uh, his spin bowling from uh, from a, from an aspect of his flight you know like not you know not relying on the pitch to do work for him and uh, uh, just trying to use this as an opportunity to, to bowl in really tough conditions and see you know see how he could improve his game that way and uh, you know I think his economy was only two point four or something like that uh, so it was actually pretty. Uh, you know, he had a pretty tidy economy, which is what uh, Miller and uh, Minia said to me uh, for the story. And uh, that, uh, a few months later, when he was back in uh, England for the county uh, uh, season with uh, Somerset, he ended up taking, uh, I think it was 65 wickets, which is the second most in the, the entire county championship, which is pretty incredible when you think about right, it. He went it? from, yeah. you know, taking 12, 11 wickets in 12 games at... Uh, in you know first grade cricket in WA, and then went back to uh, you know the top county uh, league in England, and was you know second best bowler, and then followed it up with you know another fifty wickets the year after. And then the year after he was in the Test squad, so it was uh, 
you know, that, that time he spent at Wanneroo working on his game, even though it maybe didn't show up at the time, it certainly put him on the path to, uh, you know, being a future uh, test player for England. And, you know, it's not, uh, you know, obviously we all want to see Australia do well, but it was nice to see uh, Leach pick up a couple of wickets today in, uh, in light of uh, my chat with a couple of his uh, uh, Wanneroo club mates yesterday. It was a great read, Ben, as is uh, all of your work, mate. We really appreciate the time and the expertise, as always. We'll keep up with that work at Perth Now Local and the West Australian. Uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Thanks, Peter. Have a good one. That's Ben Smith, one of our favourite sports reporters on the, the overnight crowd. He uh, does his work out of Perth Now Local with plenty of bylines in the West Australian as well. You should go and check out that piece that he wrote, uh, some analysis on Daniel Sturridge's uh, path to the Perth glory, the frustration felt on both sides of the supporters, and also from Daniel himself, who hasn't had the opportunity to turn out for more than that first game that we saw over in WA, turning out for 11 minutes there as well. He also did that uh, ripping story on Jack Leach's time in the uh, Premier League uh, cricket competition in Perth, where he uh, turned his trade for Wanneroo. And uh, it's really been a little bit of the making of the man and uh, his efforts in Australia. So uh, it's a great read, and we appreciate Ben Smith joining us here on The Overnight Crowd. Uh, any thoughts from our chat with Ben Smith? Get in touch on The Overnight Crowd, 0433 98 11 16 or 1300 736 736. It is The Overnight Crowd with Paul Heater Heath on SEN. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.